listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. All right. If you have your journals, go ahead and open it up to a fresh page. We started a series last week called Identity. Let's all say identity on on three. One, two, three. Identity. And its series is leading all the way up to Easter, Good Friday service, and then Easter on April 9th. And this series of identity is very significant. I was actually with another pastor friend of mine yesterday. We were doing some work around my house, and as he was getting ready to leave, he goes, oh, you're preaching tomorrow, Kelly. I go, yeah, I am. Are you preaching tomorrow, JT? He goes, yeah, I am. And he goes, well, what are you preaching on? And I shared with him my series. He goes, that's amazing, because he's teaching the exact same thing. We didn't share notes. We weren't reading the same website but we are reading the same Bible and we do have the same Holy Spirit. And he goes, man, that's amazing. Obviously, God is speaking something to this generation and to this culture about where we find our purpose, where we find our identity. I asked many of you last week, I gave you a little index card and I made you fill it out. It looked like, it looked like this. I made you fill it out. And I said, right on the top, I am. And if you didn't do that last week, maybe you might want to do that on your notes right there. I am. And then fill in the blanks. How do you find your identity? Where do you find your identity? Is it in your activities? What you do? Do you find your activity in your relationships? Who you're in relationship with? Maybe maybe culture helps to find your identity. Maybe your career is where you find your identity. In this series, for the next few weeks, I want to challenge you to look where you find value and purpose. Where do you go to to establish and understand who you are? And I want to encourage you, as I was even sharing with Robert and Yoli, you are more than maybe you think you are. You are more than who society and culture say you are. In the eyes of God, he sees your full potential. So be faithful with those small things. Last week, we looked into the Old Testament book of Exodus, if you were here with us, and we saw a guy who struggled with his identity. He had an identity crisis, and his name was Moses. Guy had an identity crisis. For 40 years, he lived real well in Egypt, had the best of the best, had the best education money could buy. He was the top of his class. And then some things transpired to where he became a fugitive. And he went on the run for 40 years and wandered around in the wilderness. Finally, at about 80 years old, 40 years, God speaks to him and says, I got a mission for you. I'm going to use you to see my people set free. And Moses' response was, me? Who, me? Because, see, Moses didn't know who he was. He didn't know if he was a Hebrew, an Egyptian, a fugitive, a shepherd. He had an identity crisis going on. But he discovered his true identity was through and in the great I am. The great I am helped to define who he really was. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to jump now over into the New Testament. Ooh, that was loud. I thought God was moving here. (laughs) Elijah, would you mind closing one of those doors back there just to kind of chill out the sound a little bit? We're going to jump over to the New Testament where we get to see the I am statements again. But this time it's not from a burning bush. This time it's from God incarnate, God in flesh, Jesus Christ. So let's get ready to get into this. 
Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, open up our ears and our hearts to receive from you today your word that I believe will change our lives forever. I pray for transformation to take place and for potential to be fully realized this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is walking with his disciples. If any of you have recently seen uh, the series of, of uh, television episodes called The Chosen, um, it's phenomenal, phenomenal uh, work of art that I believe is really helping a new generation understand who Christ was and his followers were. Well, you, you witness him walking with his disciples. And, and in the Bible, we look and we see that when Jesus was walking with his disciples, he posed a question to them. Now, after a while of seeing all these miracles and after a while of hearing these incredible teachings, he's hanging out with his disciples and he says, okay, so who do you say that I am? Because all these people are saying prophet, apostle, uh, a prophet, teacher, rabbi. Who do you say that I am? It's followed in the, in the gospel of Matthew 16, Mark chapter 8, and Luke chapter 9. We see Jesus ask this question, who do you say that I am? This is a great question. Because they'd seen all this stuff, but Jesus makes it personal. And he wants to see the revelation of their belief and faith. Do you know my true identity? You know what I'm talking about. My, my wife and I will, will go various places and I'll speak or teach, and afterwards, people are like, oh, that was so wonderful. Thank you so much. And, and they see our lifestyle. We live in Southern California. We live in Orange County. And maybe we're speaking out in another state. And they're like, oh, you live by the ocean, and, and you must have just this perfect life, right? It's just, it, it just, the streets are beautiful. The air is pure. You know, it's just so wonderful. You have the best food around. I mean, just go on and on. Oh, you must just love it. And I say, yeah, it is really great. And I'm thinking to myself, Leah's standing next to me. She knows exactly who I am. She knows exactly who I am when I'm at home. She knows all my faults and flaws and failures. She sees our struggles and she knows exactly how it is. See, most people don't know exactly who you are, but those that you're closest to know who you are. And that's what Jesus was asking his followers. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? The Apostle John had a unique response to this. And in the Gospel of John, we hear John identify Christ through these I am statements that Jesus made about himself. And unique to the Gospel of John is Jesus making declarations on who he is so that everyone would know his true identity. These declarations reveal Jesus' identity and what he means for us. In the same way that you use these index cards and you wrote, I am, I, I remember I wrote on mine last week, I am a Christ follower, I am a husband, I am a dad, I am a pastor. These are my identifiers. Jesus in the Gospel of John gives identifiers so that we can know his true identity. Jesus records these I am statements clarifying his identity and he uses metaphors 
to help us understand a little bit more about him. If you don't understand what a metaphor is, maybe hopefully you do, but some of us, it's been a while since we've been in school and we can't remember what is a metaphor? What is a simile? You know, what are these things? A metaphor is simply this. It's making a connection oftentimes with an object or a person or another inanimate thing. For example, uh, a metaphor would be like, I run like a cheetah. Right? That's a simile? Are you correcting me? Thank you very much. Thank you. If I am a cheetah and I run like one, there's a metaphor. I am a cheetah. That is the metaphor. Absolutely. I run like a cheetah for I am a cheetah. I walk like a duck. I am a duck. So I walk like one. Metaphors. Jesus uses these metaphors over and over again, describing who he is by making that connection. So as we hear these things, it's important for us to realize he's not literally some of these things. He is figuratively and metaphorically these things that he mentions. So take a look here at John chapter 6. The first one, the first metaphor, the first I am statement that Jesus makes is this. I am the bread of life. Let's all say that together. I am the bread of life. John chapter 6, Jesus explains and says, I am the bread of life. And people look and go, what do you mean? And he goes on to explain it. In this statement, Jesus relates, and I'll just quickly sum it up because I'm going to show you all of the I am statements. Jesus relates our physical need for food to our spiritual need for life and life eternal. How many of you guys like bread? Raise your hand if you're like me, you like bread. Oh, man, come on. I, I need a little bit of bread. Matter of fact, it's, I, I, the doctors have said I need to cut down on the bread, and I'm like, oh, no, not bread, anything but bread. I'll cut out all the vegetables, I'll cut out all the fruit, but please don't make me cut out the bread. I need bread. Every culture in the world has a bread substance, whether it's a tortilla, a pita, a loaf of bread, sourdough with hot butter dripping off of it. So here's what Jesus says. I am the bread of life. And hopefully that stirs something up in you where you go, mm, yes. Just as we need bread to fill our physical hunger, we need Jesus to satisfy our soul. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Second, second one we see is we go further along in John chapter 8. Verses 2 through 20, Jesus, I sum it up. He says, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. As the morning sun breaks through, and if you've ever been around early in the morning and you've seen the sunrise, isn't it amazing how, how it can be so dark and then suddenly the sky begins to light up? You haven't even seen the sun yet, but the sky is starting to light up. Have you ever noticed that? I absolutely love it, especially when we're out camping because we're up early before the sun comes up. There are the stars, and I watch the sky starting to glow. And then after a while, there's almost this glorious reveal of the sun boop, off the horizon, and there the sun begins to rise, and now I see the source of light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And though we may not see him just yet, we begin to see the glow beginning to push back the darkness in this world. 
Many of you have heard of, of some of the things that are happening, as I mentioned earlier, on colleges, campuses. It kind of started over in Asbury, Kentucky, and now it's spreading across college campuses around the United States where these young people are just crying out to God. Because the Bible says, if there, those of you who hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. And when they come hungry, guess what? God shows up and fills them. I see a glow happening in our world where it has been dark, where there's been a society and a culture that has pushed back the light of Christ and there's a glow happening because Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. He brings clarity and he brings sight to those who are walking in darkness. And as culture attempts to get darker, we need that light a little bit more, don't we? The third I am statement as we continue on through John, John chapter 10, is I am the gate. I am the gate. And I remember the first time I read this, I'm like, I do not understand. God is a gate? That just doesn't make sense to me. Does he swing to and fro? Does he change left and right? I don't know what it means. One translation says that I am the door. And as I dug into this years ago, I began to get the revelation of, oh, the gate, the door is entrance into something or into a place or into a state of being where I find safety and security. This morning when we left our house, I opened our front gate as we were leaving our home and I closed our front gate. I thought about what, we were pre what I was preaching here today and I looked back at the gate and I thought, man, that's access into my home. That's access into safety. That's access into comfort and security. That's access to a place where I just find joy. When Jesus says, I am the gate, he's saying that is a place where you have access. That is a place where you have joy, a home, a place where you can feel safe and secure. Jesus gives access into God's kingdom where there's home and where there's safety, comfort, and real family. Amen. Number four, the fourth one we see is when we go down the gospel of John chapter 10 also. He says, I am the good shepherd. In this statement, Jesus identifies as a shepherd, one who protects, guides, provides, leads, and feeds. You know, she sheep are lost without a shepherd. Sheep tend to be a little dumb from what I understand. And they'll walk right off a cliff. If one goes, all of them will go right off the cliff. That's how dumb sheep can be. They follow. They are followers. I remember I was watching one episode of The Amazing Race one time, one of my favorite shows, and, and they had to herd sheep. And man, it was so difficult. They're running around trying to get these sheep. And they would get one sheep to go uh, in, into the pen, and they'd start to get another one. And then one sheep would start to head off the wrong direction. All the other sheep would go whoosh right after that one that was going lost. And I remember very clearly people saying, man, shepherding is hard. It is hard because sheep are hard to wrangle up. Boy, Jesus, Jesus identifies as the good shepherd because he loves his sheep and is willing to sacrifice for them. Even if they do go astray, even if they do start to follow down the wrong path and all the other sheep, he says, no, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to bring you into a good land. I'm going to bring you into a place where you can eat and be led and be safe. He is the good shepherd and we are his sheep and he protects, provides for all of our needs. The fifth one, you see it there in John chapter 11, if you're reading through the Gospel of John. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is simply 
coming back to life, a return to life, life as it should be and was originally intended. But I think many people today are walking around lifeless. Our obsession, our societal obsession with zombies amazes me. These walking dead, right? And it seems like every year or so a new zombie movie comes out about humans who are dead on the inside, but they're still walking around. And I remember the last time I saw some zombie thing, I can't remember which show it was, but it was a zombie. I'm like, man, Lord, that's how so many of us are in this world today. We're walking around lifeless, like zombies. You see it, don't you? You see it when you're at the store. You see it when you're at the job site. People who are walking dead. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He doesn't want you being a zombie. He wants you to know real and eternal life, and it's embodied in him and can be found when we believe and trust in him. Number six, the, the sixth I am statement that we saw in John chapter 14 was this one. He says, and boy, this is one that just, it irks some people. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You may notice that I am emphasizing the word the. He didn't say, well, I'm a way. I'm a truth. And I'm a little bit of life. No, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the things that Jesus did when he made this statement, he drew a line in the sand. And he said, this is the way to God. This is the way to God. This I am statement is preceded by a question from his followers. And they say, how can we know the way to God? Because some teachers say this way. Some teachers say that way. Some great uh, 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 religious leaders say go this way. Jesus, how do we get to God? What do you say? What is the way to God? And Jesus made it very clear. I am the way, he said. I am the truth. And I am the life. His response may have been one of the most revelational statements he made. He says there's only one way to God. John chapter 14, verse 6, this is exactly what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. Cultures, religions may say there are many paths to God, but one of the defining statements that Jesus made was he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For everyone who's lost, Jesus points the way to real truth, the way to genuine purpose, the way to authentic peace, the one way to God through Jesus. The seventh statement that we see there in John chapter 15 now is this one, which I absolutely find fascinating and it is so encouraging to me. He says, I am the true vine. Again, another metaphorical statement where he's saying, I am this. I imagine when Jesus made this statement, quite possibly him and his followers were either walking by or somewhere near a vineyard. Because vineyards, vines, wine was a central aspect to this culture. It was centric. It, it, was, it was something that everybody understood and everybody participated in. And here Jesus uses this metaphor of a vine to illustrate our central connection to life, and that is him. And he says, just as branches are connected to the vine, I am the vine and you are those branches. 
And just as branches need to be connected to the vine so that they can bear fruit, our connection to Jesus allows us to produce fruit in our lives, to be productive. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine and you are the branches. If you live your life in me, then your life will be fruitful. You need to be grafted in. You need to be connected in and stay in. Later on, Jesus would say, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then these great things, this fruit, this, prod this positive productivity will happen in your life because he is the vine. See, these I am statements give us insight into his identity his real identity, and they demonstrate for us his character, his nature, and his incredible love and passion for us. It should encourage you to know that this is the Jesus that you serve. There's one more statement, and this one, this is the one that caused the most controversy of his time. It's found in John chapter 8, verse 53. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this one. These showed God's character, Jesus's character. But when Jesus made this statement, it suddenly caused an uproar and everything changed. His respect, his reputation, his response to the questions that these religious leaders were throwing at him changed everything when he made this statement. Let me, let me show you what it is. He makes this I am declaration in John chapter 8, verse 58. And when he makes this statement, he's actually referencing back to Exodus chapter 8, or Exodus 3.14. And he's referencing back to when God revealed himself. I want to start with verse 58 and read 48. Actually, let me read starting with 48. The people yelled, you Samaritan devil. Let me pause for a second there. The religious leaders were accusing him of being demon possessed. They'd seen all the things he had done and they saw the things that he was saying and they go, he must be, we know it's supernatural. We can't deny that it's supernatural. They could not deny the supernatural aspects of Jesus. So what did they do? Oh, you must be filled with a, de a demon. You must be de demonic. The people yelled, you Samaritan devil, didn't we all say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. The people, they're not getting it. They're not hearing the words of Jesus. The people said, now we know you're possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Here it is. It's the identity question. Who are you, Jesus? Who do you think you are? Greater than Abraham? The founder of our people, the patriarch of our, of our land and our culture. Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who glorifies me. See, he's, he's showing where the authority comes from. 
You say, he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you, but I do know him and I obey him. Here it is. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. And the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Yahweh. Yahweh. At that point, they picked up stones and to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them, and he actually walked through the crowd and left the temple. Jesus had crossed the line. You know what he did right there? He spoke the same word that was spoken to Moses 1,500 years before. Remember last week, Moses comes before God and says, who should I say sent me? And God breathes. And we interpreted that breath as, Y-H-W-H. The Hebrews write it this way. We translate it into English letters like this. In modern times, we say Yahweh. But many theologians would say it was the sound of breathing. <gasps> and so Jesus invokes the name of God and attributes it to himself. This was blasphemy to the religious leaders. You're calling yourself God? You see, he was. He declared himself divine, God incarnate, timeless and unchanging. Jesus was declaring, I am. This was blasphemous to the Jewish rulers, but for you and me, this is revolutionary. This is God in the flesh. It's the most profound, life-changing fact that Jesus was more than just a good teacher. Jesus was more than just a simple rabbi, than a prophet, than a good man with moral training and teaching, more than a revolutionary. He was God in the flesh. And he came for us to be our shepherd, to be our vine, to be light, to be bread, to be everything we need. Jesus is not the great I was. He is not the great I will be. He is the great Yahweh. I am. And he declared it. And for us, that's transformative. For we serve the living God, Jesus. Robert, come on up, man. Just you is fine. We'll just have you come on up. Because he is, take a look on the screen. I want you to take a picture of this. Write this down in your notes. You need to hold on to this as you are going, what is my identity? Who am I? Because he is that I am. Because he is the living bread, I am satisfied. You need to say that as you're reading that. Because he is, I am satisfied. Because he is the living bread. Because he is light, I can see clearly. Because he is the gate, I have a home. Because he is the good shepherd, I am protected. Because he is the resurrection, I am alive. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, you never have to be lost.
It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's the truth. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. So you will never be lost. And because he is the vine, I am productive and I am fruitful. These can be your statements. Because he is, I am. Because he is the I am, then you can be. Isn't that good? Look up on that screen. Just let that soak in as Robert begins to play. Hopefully you can say this about yourself. If you're struggling with who you are, let this, let Jesus' identity help to define who you are. See, this is what the Holy Spirit meant when he inspired Luke to write these words. In the book of Acts chapter 17, it says, For in him, Jesus Christ, we live and move and have our being. We have our identity in Jesus. I am because he is. Would you pray with me? Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you revealed to all of humanity your very nature, your character, your compassion, and your love. And not only did you reveal it and say it, you did it. Like a good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep, who, who stays out late at night to make sure that the wolves are held at bay, to, to look for where there's grass and water so that the sheep can eat, who watches the weather to make sure the sheep are guided to a place of shelter. You are the good shepherd, and we can be protected, safe, fed. Thank you, God, for revealing in Jesus, all that you are. Now I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for every man and woman in this room, Lord, that we would begin to operate in the authority and the confidence that we have that we are these people because of who he is. I am this person because of who you say I am, Jesus. The great I am. I'm going to ask to put the definition one more time on the screen, and I want everybody to just look that over as a reminder. He is. Because he's the living bread, I'm satisfied. Because he's light, I can see clearly. Because he's the gate, I have a home. Because he's the good shepherd, I am protected. Because he is the resurrection, I am alive. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life, I am never lost. And because he is the vine... I am productive and fruitful. That's good. Mm, I should fill you with confidence and faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com. 
and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.